0: I mean, we all need more joy. We need joy every day in our lives, and we, like, the More Joy is like a living mantra for us now. Like, I think we truly want every part or breathe it, smell it, eat it. Um, the disco part was simply because music gives me joy. I love to dance, and we've done a lot of collaborations with The More Joy. We did one with Elton John, with the Hayne Girls. So it's like a real nice thread running through that um, brand, and it was to relive the club days that I experienced in London. We want to bring people together of all demographic, all cultures, all genders, and just have a big knees up. It's good.
1: I am Susie Menkes, and you are listening to my podcast, Creative Conversations. As a journalist reporting on the global fashion industry, I want to take you backstage and give you an insight into my world. Listen to my exclusive conversations with creatives, industry leaders and those whose voices have some of the greatest impact. I think you might find it interesting and maybe intriguing. Christopher Kane and, crucially, his sister Tammy, are celebrating their steady development of doing it their way. With a grounding in Scotland, but a development on the wild fashion shores of London's central St. Martins, Christopher Kane was picked out by Donatella Versace, who remains a good friend. The designer's work with the Keering Luxury Group did not bring his mantra, more joy, and in 2018, Christopher and Tammy decided to go it alone. With faithful dog Bruce beside them in the hyper-cool London fields at the east end of the city, the dynamic duo are nearly 20 years into fashion joy. It's just days before their autumn-winter 23-24 London Fashion Week show, and there is a real buzz in the studio. Let's hear what they have to say. Well, hi, Christopher and Tammy. Here we are in your new studio in East London. Tell me about it. Has it changed your
0: life? Um. So we've been in the studio since the pandemic, and yes, yeah, we've always been East Enders. Mm. We've been uh, previous locations in other parts of East London, but um, this is a smaller location. Everyone's sort of, I suppose, working together. We're all together in one space, which feels really good. Um. But yeah, it's it's it, different, but it's good.
2: It's it's great because Broadway Market's just around the corner, so it feels a bit more. You
0: know, yeah. There's, there's all a,
2: the staff can go for drinks after work and stuff. It's really nice.
0: There's a lot more activity, more bustle and hustle yeah. on the street, which is good, always good.
2: But our is still over in Shakawell Lane. Well,
1: I, I got very excited about coming here because you send out these very clear messages with the um, mm. uh, shows. I mean, sure. I'm talking about these titles that you choose, and mm. I thought, well, they must go to live in an amazing place if what you see around is liquid ladies or mm-hmm. Sex in Nature. Yes. They're not quite the typical uh, fashion labels. Tell me more. Where did you get them
0: from? Every collection is very different in a sense. But very alike. Very alike also. But I don't know, Like people like to um, put labels in things nowadays, so we're always like pushed down that avenue. What's the title? What's the theme? Mm. But the thing for Liquid Ladies was, I mean, there was a lot of liquid within the garment, so we just felt, oh, Liquid Ladies sounds good, or Sex in Nature is something... I always look to biology, to science, to science fiction. Any sort of thing relating to the human body is always a, like a magic potion in a way. But who knows what the next one will be.
1: So what are you calling a show this time at the London Fashion Week? Tell me a bit about what we should be expecting because it's coming up for the 2023 autumn season. What are mm-hmm. we going to see? Expect Expect unexpected. <laughs> um, i really at this Not point much <laughs> is,
0: it's still currently at the atelier the factory has been made um that process will happen next week where it's a matter of styling casting mm. working to the last minute like everyone like that's when the magic happens as for a label or a theme mm. that's still up in there as well so who knows um
2: it evolves every day yeah. you know with
0: I mean, I think people will be, there'll be no um, surprise that there is a lot of reference to nature, to biology, as always. Um, there's always new spins on that, and that's something that does inspire me. And obviously, mm. obviously, me and Tammy worked very closely together, so, um, but yeah, expect unexpected, but I think carnal, animalistic, we'll see. But I think it's, I, I'm very happy with how it's looking yeah. so far. Yeah. See how the samples turn up. Next week, okay. <laughs>
1: yeah. One thing I've never quite understood: Do you two work together, or are you completely separated? I'm talking not about how you're going to arrange the people who are watching this. Yeah. I'm talking about the actual clothes that are going to go out there. Mm-hmm. Are you are you a team? Are you two of you?
0: Yeah, we're literally we're yeah. like glue. Glow. We're glued to each other. Um, But also we've been like that since we were children, like growing up together. Tammy's five years my senior, so she was someone who I always looked up to. So she was at art school before me, so I followed her footsteps. But working together every day, Mm. it's like we do everything together.
2: We do. There's a process. Christopher always starts with his drawings. Let's be honest, that's the secret sauce, isn't it? And then that inspires me and then I can help from a... You know, mm-hmm. from someone that will wear the clothes um, perspective, yeah, and then start to design together. But yeah,
0: but it's fundamental that I have Tammy there at all times because I can draw and draw and draw. But then when it comes to like making the garments, it's good to have a fresh perspective, but also a woman's perspective on things because I can go crazy.
2: And now you work on the iPad, and it's yeah.
0: like, I mean, the iPad is technology is just another way of working now. Where I'm like, print, mm-hmm. press, print, press, print. It's just so yeah. it's quite dangerous because it just keeps coming, but um, but I still love to draw. And but meantime, if we're best friends, brother and sister, and we're lucky yeah. to have each other, like, I mean, so, lucky. so lucky. Like, and other people are like, I wish I had a Tammy. Like, we well, can't have. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's not happening. But can you imagine? That it, I mean, not doing it. You know, this business is tough. So to know that when you go home at night, we've got each other's backs. Yeah. You know, it's, it is there's a t- trust there, a hundred percent, hundred percent trust, you know.
0: loyalty, trust. Yes. When we have a little fight or a little dispute, it's, I mean, it's over in five minutes. It's, it is, but it isn't. It's oftenly, often quite silly, or stupid. But mm. sometimes she's right, and sometimes <laughs> I'm wrong, and vice versa. But um, but I think it's a good. We have a good process, a good formula together.
1: I feel that the, both of you has what I would call an international attitude. I mean, we're celebrating this year, the 40 mm. years from the start of the British Fashion Council. Yep. After all, you've mm-hmm. had a taste of other things. You've had a taste of Donatella Versace mm-hmm. and her um, Versus line. Was that what it was called? Correct, in, yeah. In um, Milan. Mm-hmm. So you were then definitely in another uh, area, in another world, exactly. <laughs> For sure. And so how was that? Were you both involved very much with the yep. Italian side?
0: I think going back to the the beginning of your question, um, London for me, like growing up in a very small town in Scotland, looking at shows like the close show at the time, or I was literally mystified or captivated as a teenager, being like, "This is where I have to go." So mm. London was always for me like it always stood out when you saw the other big, mm. huge shows all over the world, but um, London just had that nitty-gritty. It just had that real rawness under the skin, unnerving. Everything, people were like, oh, what is this? That's what I liked. And it it was
2: the most accessible city to us. Yeah. Rather than, you know, Milan would have been...
0: Well, I don't speak Italian, I don't speak French. But but St Martin's was, that's that's what really made me go to London and study there. But when we went to, obviously, work, I was offered a job by Donatella after my graduation, my MA. Mm -hmm. I didn't accept, but I said, I'd love to consult with you. Because, obviously, I loved... People like Gianni Versace and obviously Helmut Lang in the nineties—they were like the ultimate. But obviously the Donatella, like meeting Donatella for the first time was like—I don't know—I don't want to meet meet God just yet. But it was like that. It was like a rock star moment where you're like this God-like person, human being. She's an aura you'd
2: looked up to her for you'd look, so long. You watched on TV,
0: know. and you—I was literally backstage and like. Wow. So she almost.
1: I must hear from you. What was the actual moment when you saw her in real life?
0: So I saw her. This is really, it's a really funny story. Um, I was taken backstage. I arrived at the show. Um, It was the, um, God, was it the Autumn Winter 07 Mm -hmm. winter collection? I was taken backstage, and Donatella had a gorgeous dressing room. You could smell, just like it just smelled so good. You walked in, she was like, Getting her hair fixed But it was like she was sat Just perfect she just spun round Just jumped up And gave me a big hug Me as this young guy Like scruffy From London It was just Fantastic And then watching All these really famous Come in and out The room I was just like Is this for real? All these major celebrities Models Fashion editors So tell me What was Do you remember that moment? Were you there?
2: I wasn't there But I was at home Waiting by the phone to hear all about it and it was just it was such a thrilling time all of our dreams were kind of coming true Uh, we'd manifested this happening so we were um, we were thrilled and then I think I met her when Christopher had an instant where the folder fell All the designs had fallen out, and I was his fit model. And Donatella, I think, said, "Who's this?" And he said, "Oh, it's my sister." We worked together, and she had then said, "Bring her over next time." And that's how we started.
0: She saw pictures of Tammy in the folder because it was a process I used to do at college, from the BA to the MA, like with Louise Wilson. Um, Louise Wilson called Tammy so many nicknames because she used to see Tammy in the pictures. So yeah, it was that process was always there from the beginning. But that's fundamentally how
1: But I want yeah. to understand something you, you, I've seen you working now so amazingly together mm-hmm. but was it always like that or was there a period when you felt Tammy that you had to be someone who calmed down this wild <laughs> brother of yours doing these crazy things or were you actually partners in beauty and that yeah. you actually worked together or did you bounce off each other one one side and one the other
2: I think it's a bit of both mm. we certainly bounce off of each other I think that is our USP that You know, when one's tired or, you know, not feeling great, you know, I can identify areas that will Mm -hmm. make a a theme stronger or vice versa. Mm. Um, There's also times where I'll say, you know, I'm the only one that can say to him, you've got too much of that. Let's reduce that. Let's make that stronger. I get quite
0: emotionally attached to things. Well, they are like your children.
2: And so do I, but I also can have... uh, I can detach myself a bit more easier than Christopher. Mm. So it's a bit of both,
0: isn't it? But she's really unruly, also. Let's be honest. She's quite wild.
2: She's unruly.
0: unruly. Well, she can be really unruly. Um, (laughs) She is the elder. She's older. Remember, she was partying way before me. So she's seen and done way more. Yeah.
1: One thing I do know, although I can't really believe it, is that it's nearly. 20 years since it all started, since you left St Martin's. Mm -hmm. I suppose you must have been under Louise Wilson, yes? Correct, yeah. And London's famous school, did you feel it was famous then or was this really before? Mm. Did you die to get into it and feel wonderful?
0: Yes, people would die to get into that college at that time. When I got in, it was literally, you were touching the walls that had graced the likes of McQueen, Hussein... John Galliano, all these phenomenal designers. So you were literally in that school, and it did feel like magic. Everyone was in high alert; electric was running through the air. Everyone's hairs were. I mean, it was just an amazing feeling, and you were always out to impress. You would get dressed up, or everyone. Was, it was like a fashion show in the school, so it was a real thing to like go and see and just watch people outside. But. Um,
1: but I mean, the most amazing thing of all was that you were accepted or you were yeah. saying, not mm-hmm. even accepted, they reached out from you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't like to say it, but as I lived through that era, yeah. I don't think you were terribly well known in the fashion world at the moment that you were taken on. So what was that like then, not did at all? You?
2: I mean, I I remember when I was working in Carmelan in Glasgow and you came in to tell me that you'd got accepted. Yeah. And my gosh, it was like... I think we cried on the shop floor, didn't we? We We did cry,
0: because it was that thing, like, when you grow up in a small village, you're, like, kind of pushed in a corner, or you're arty. Oh, well, that's not a serious job, that's not a real living. Mm -hmm. Whereas me and Tammy were always like, well fingers up that's I truly believe this is in my blood it's in my bones this is what I want to do so having Tammy there and obviously my mum and dad being very supportive St Martin's was the next step I got in did the BA and then obviously Louise Wilson was literally the punch in the face because she was very brutal, and it was the best experience if anyone who's taught by Louise would say the same the brutality was the best thing about her Mm -hmm. because she gave you a true portrayal of what it's like in the industry there's always someone better looking, taller, skinnier, more talented. You gave her gold, she's like, I want silver. It's like, you always had to work ten times harder. And for me, I like to please her. But Louise was great in that sense, that she pushed me forward and made me see that, actually, this is quite good. Mm. You are good. Like, just be confident. Mm. Because when you're surrounded by other contemporaries in the classroom, everyone's doing very different things. And you do start to compare... So that's one lesson I learned was I worked from home a lot and then would see Louise every three weeks and she'd be like, Where the effing have you been? And then she'd be like, Okay, go back home, do some more. <laughs> so and I wasn't being looking or seeing other influence. I was just purely in my bedroom watching crappy T V and being like, Oh, I'm and a that weirdo." it still
2: stands today. Yeah. <laughs> that's really important that that we have tunnel vision and you know, you have to know what's going on in fashion. Yeah. So that you don't repeat it. That's very important. Because I just for don't, us. I just don't
0: believe in. Like I think you can, you can look back and it's great. And you can be, look back to move forward, but do it in your way. But I just don't feel that being mm-hmm. derivative's not what I want to be. I'd rather put something that, that people hate, and then two years later it'd be like, oh, I get it now, and I'm like, well, should sure have got it then, but that's okay. But mm-hmm. that's not in any way being being precocious. It's just how I feel. But I, I was taught to be a fashion designer. It needs to look the like fashion, not like everyone else.
1: Oh, and what about you, Tammy? I mean you actually came to London first, didn't you? Have I yeah. got it right?
2: I did some work experience here but we actually moved down together in two thousand. So when I finished uni, Chris Ware was finishing high school. So our yeah. timings were always quite in um, sync. Um, in sync. So yeah. but I guess those years before we came to London, you know, we had to persevere, you know, people were, you'll not make it, give up this dream, like, yeah. concentrate something else, do a career that you'll make money And so we yeah. had to, you know, perseverance and defiance as um, something that we just had to deal with, so when we moved down, I and really it was, struggled it was to a, get work But it was the best summers ever, the, you no, look back
0: at those summers time. when you would no money, you were in Hyde Park. It was, remember how amazing the scorching heat was. He just mm. had the best times. And the London club scene was the best back then. Like the music, the variety, the culture. It was just the best. We felt like we came home, didn't we? Yeah, That's we great. did. It felt we're like such a nice. I
2: think, friends.
1: I think we need to um, explain what was home for you because yes. you, you came from Scotland, <laughs> mm. um, North Lanarkshire. Did I say that right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. And um, I don't know anything about what it would be being brought up in those circumstances, mm. and then. Facing London um, at an exciting moment, Mm. did Scotland leave a long and important mark Mm. on both of you?
2: Absolutely,
0: absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. I think we wouldn't be the people we are today without being Scottish or our heritage, and like everyone has this really grand romantic notion of Scotland, like the hills and all this beautiful tartan, and it is like that in parts. It's gorgeous, and we love the countryside. But we came from a very Simple, working-class background where it was the Ravenscraig pumping fumes in the background. <laughs> I mean, it was a huge industrial town. But we went to very normal schools and we were lucky to have each other. Like We just had a creative, I don't know, juice in our blood and that's what helped propel us. But when you look back at the people we met, my mum, the characters, the humour, the dark sense of humour, the sarcasm. I mean you just we just laugh all the time and they do pop up in our collections these people. All the
1: time. And do you go back to Scotland? Is mm. it your summer holidays or <laughs> um,
0: As if well. so we go back but um summer's quite bad for the midges, as you know, they <laughs> really um but we've not been back primarily for
2: well, vacations. We used to go often but um, our dad's Both her parents passed. are gone, so. So when you go to Glasgow now,
0: you don't feel at like home. It doesn't yeah, have a home to go to or a, no. a bedroom to sleep in. It's like a hotel. Or, but we'll mm-hmm. never forget, or we'll always use those references of mm. people that we adored growing up. Like yeah. the girl next door who just looked great.
2: And we our dad it. had such a, you know, my mum too. Mm. They had such a strong work ethic yeah you know whatever challenges they had they had five kids they were a really good example of you know anything's possible well then
1: i suppose that we must have got from them um something we haven't talked about yet mm. uh, the um approach to sex <laughs> i'm not asking you what your parents thought about it but how do you feel about it now i mean yeah. that's one of the things that i always think of with you yeah there's this strange connection mm. in everything you design with the body with the yeah. and also there are many references and details about the body being um, treated by doctors and it's as though yeah. that there's an a, approach to sex in your work which is more to do with, I don't know how to describe it, scientific?
0: Um I don't know, like I used the word carnal earlier, like we're all animals, we all have this like animal in us and for me like I think this country and the world are still so neglectful to talk about sex and I think it's so fundamental and it's so important as a culture and for everything that's happening in culture today when it comes to fluidity and gender, like, sex is great, sex is beautiful, it should be talked about. But I think when we approach sex in our work, we do it differently. We try to do it differently. Like, I remember looking back, like, I grew up watching for the Versace shows at the peak in Helmut Lang at the same time. And there were so, I mentioned, the rawness and the... It was like, a woman should only wear that. She should only feel like that because it was so modern. It was like this approach to women being almost like gladiators. But it was that thing where I've never changed my opinion on that. I always think back to, yeah, like, even my mum, when I look back to my mum, like, she was so, like, strict, but she still had a real femininity about her with that strictness that came across as quite sexy. So we do things, it doesn't need to be so in-your-face to be sexy. It can be, like, long and tight and simple.
2: And and there was a lot of medical themes at home as well so I wonder if that yeah. kind of informs in like, the characters. The, yeah
0: it's true and my dad was always in hospital in and out of hospital he grew up with a, he had a condition called chronic psoriasis and autoimmune disease so we were always used to him having treatments done and we sometimes have to do those treatments because that's what you do. So the meantime we were always quite hands-on in every approach but um mm-hmm. But the sex thing, even looking back, like my auntie Sandra, we would stay at her's at the weekend and she's my mum's closest sister. We'd watch TV that we shouldn't have watched. And my auntie Sandra be like, you shouldn't be watching this. And we'd be like, shut up, auntie Sandra. We'll watch <laughs> Turn it up. Turn it up. And she'd be like, this
1: is terrible, this is terrible.
0: And a really Scottish accent. But we learned so much. I mean,
2: today when then, I think about it, I mean, it's so much thing, fun. The other thing is my mum had seven sisters. yes. Um, some really strong, some not so strong. Yeah, and they all had husbands, and every sister had a different story. So we so we'd learned, hear all we these stories about all about life and. You all know. sitting
0: around having a drink, having a little cigarette. They'd all talk about their husbands mm. and sex, and but we were young kids pretending to watch TV. But of course, any child's a sponge. But we just loved.
2: And then, not to mention that we had two elder brothers oh, yeah. and a sister that were teenagers. You know, my mom had Christopher when she was forty, and me when she was thirty-four. Yeah. So we were like a second family with adult siblings. So I guess what they were doing, you know, yeah. in their spare time, if they were babysitting, we were exposed to stuff that we should never have been. But not in a, you know, no, a, it was a in dangerous a, way. It was just
0: like, it was just, yeah.
2: You know, I hardly dare to ask this next yes,
0: question. I'm scared. What is it?
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm interested in rubber. I'm oh. Sure the fact that it's a fabric, you call it mm. a fabric, that um, you seem to use a lot. Yeah. I'd better tell me where rubber came into your family. I We've think, used it a couple
0: of times. We've well, we used vinyl, oh, rubber, vinyl, vinyl. We use a lot of patent. I don't yeah. know, like, for me, patent always has that, like, real, it's quite expensive. It looks expensive. If you think back, oh, it's just coming into my head, Catherine Deneuve and that trench coat, that rubber trench coat, like, yeah. the ultimate gorgeousness. But, um, I don't know, like, I think it can be, when it's put in the right context, it can be mixed up and made to look different, or, I don't know, I think it just. Nothing to do
1: with sex, then. No, I love it, that it looks cheap as well. I
0: love that it looks cheap yeah. and tacky, too. And it has those... It could be the Catherine Deneuve, but it could also be a really dodgy 80s porn mag, which is great. <laughs>
2: More Joy came from our Autumn Winter 18 show, and we, Christopher, we'd used the More Joy of Sex illustrations in that collection, Mm -hmm. and we had put together a small capsule of t-shirts, and when we dropped them, they sold out immediately, Uh, More Joy was everywhere, so I've been looking for something, we have been looking for something for a long time where we could have something a bit easier than Christopher King to, um, to grow. So, more joy, we were like, okay, this this has got tons of potential. Yes. And then it did become, it was a difficult time in our lives, and it, it felt rebellious.
0: Rebellious, yeah.
2: It felt, it just felt like a little kind of north star for us. Yeah. So, we launched it in the summer of 2019, um, direct consumer with a, a summer capsule, and it kind of exploded. And mm. we got all of, you know, buyers contacting us. But we held back, but eventually we took it to wholesale. So we're just slowly building up more joy, joy as a, a separate brand to Christopher Kane.
1: Now, this looks like fun. Uh, Christopher Kane. Mm-hmm. more joy discos in April. Why disco?
0: I mean, we all need more joy. We need joy every day in our lives, and we... Like the more joy is like a living mantra for us now, like I think mm. we truly want every part or mm. breathe it, smell it, eat it. Um, the disco part was simply be- because music gives me joy, I love to dance and we've done a lot of collaborations with the more joy we did, one with Elton John, with the Hane girls. So it's like a real nice thread running through that um, brand. And it's to relive the club days that I experienced in London. We want to bring people together of all demographic, all cultures, all genders and just have a big knees up. It's good.
2: It was one of the first ideas when we um, launched More Joy as a brand. But with the pandemic, it was not possible to do it then. So um, I think the pandemic heightened our,
1: mm. you know, our
2: appetite to do it. But not do it in a fashion party, we we really wanted to make this a viable venture. Yeah. So we're excited, we've got great partners for it. Um,
0: Really good partners in the industry of club, like nightclubs and stuff, they really know what they're doing and so we really wanted to do something that's going to really bring everyone together and it will be a fun night for sure. Yeah.
1: And now I'm going to embarrass myself because you two are going to laugh like a drain when I say this. I want to know about your bridal range. Bridal? Yes. I mean, what you've been telling me about sex, I'm not sure they ever got married, these people. Well,
0: um, yeah, the bridal range is something we start again, was it during
2: the pandemic? Yeah, just before it, actually.
0: But yeah, like...
2: I think there's just, there's a niche there for us for alternative... Bridal. Yeah. And we use the archive for it, so it's really easy for us. Yeah. And we've been dressing friends, work colleagues for 17 years.
0: So we've got quite a
2: catalogue of bridal. So we just, it was quite organic.
0: It's fun. It is fun, actually.
1: Tell me what is different about your bridal from other people's, or just how you, what you put in it from yourselves.
0: It's like Tommy mentioned, the archive is really strong, so we go back to like silhouettes that are maybe seen as being not bridal, and that's the point. (laughs) Because things shouldn't be formulaic in that sense, and it's 2023, so young women want to wear, or middle-aged or elderly women, they want to wear something that's not lace. Or white even, so, We've really put a lot of um, thought into it. And
2: it's just that essence of, you know, it's hard to articulate. It's like a, it's a bit dodgy, but it can also be intellectual. You yeah. Know, that's the kind of recipe. Super luxe, but it's it also be quite in. cheap.
0: It's all those ingredients that we always put into our main line that's into the bridal. And that's what, for us, it makes a really funny collection and it makes a collection that we're always proud of, is those key ingredients. Mm.
2: That
0: the feather veil we can't keep in stock. Yeah, it's a really nice veil. A lot of people are wearing that. But yeah, it's it's growing because we like to take bits and bobs from archive every season, just add one or two mm. in there just to give a little space up. But yeah, who knows what will come from this collection at this point. But yeah.
1: <laughs> I want to ask you about something else. Sure. I have a memory when you had your. Um shop in central London, um, of seeing some rather beautiful paintings and being told that they were yours and they were on the walls. And um, so I looked to see whether I was going mad and um, I realised that it's one of the many feathers in your cap (laughs) and that you have an artistic self, really artistic Mm. in terms of what people would think of as art today. Mm. And um, what are these paintings about? I, I, I looked it up and saw that you um, studied a fine art course, yes. is that right? yeah. But what made you pick up the again?
0: Again, it was through the um, pandemic where I was at home and work was difficult. And obviously to process, not being creative all the time, it was hard. So I just started painting again and drawing and it was literally in cardboard boxes that were from the delivery men, stuff that I could get my hands on. But yeah, it was a real eye-opening like, experience because you forget who you are sometimes when you work all the time. Like, what do you do as a hobby? People ask me that all the time. And I'm like, I don't know, fashion? <laughs> so now I can say I can paint. I, I paint again and or collage or whatever. But yeah, I had an exhibition in Vienna, which was amazing at the Guggen Institute and it's a mm-hmm. fantastic place for outsider art. Where people can really express themselves, and mm. I don't know, like I love painting, and, I, and it totally like infiltrates my own collections as well. Either being textiles or color, they're quite provocative. They're little demonic people, <laughs> as you can see. Well, I didn't say that. But we were brought up Catholic as well. That was another. So we always have this notion of guilt and everything we do. So <laughs> um, I don't know. That always comes through in our work. But um, these little demons are all. They're sort of like little voices in my head and it was a way getting through the pandemic because it was so tough to watch and to see what was happening in the world and we're so lucky
2: I went to his house after not seeing him for a couple of months because we couldn't and when I walked in, everything was painted. Yeah, offices were painted. Paint. The you know there was piles and piles of paintings all over. Yeah, you know, it's almost so like
1: this a is this is something you yourself don't do. One of rare things when I, you're not.
2: Um, yeah. I do paint. She's very talented. I, I have painter. two kids, um, <laughs> so yeah, I do try and paint on holidays. But it's um, it's just a nice thing to do, isn't
0: it? But it was never that way. I'm I'm an artist now. It was just one of those other. Like extensions of who I am. And I did do a fine art course for a year at St. Martin's, so. But I'm not an artist. Like, I think, like, I mean, I'm so lucky to work in fashion and create beautiful things in my eye. So they are extensions of my brain as well as what I put in the paper. So, and it's quite amazing what you put, draw it, and then all of a sudden you give it to an amazing pattern cutter and then it's like three dimensional. It's kind of like we take it for granted. It's really quite a, It is magic.
1: Anything you want to say
2: about
0: your um, private life? Please, private life. private life. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wish. No, I'm trying to think. <laughs> private
2: life. Watching Love
0: Island and drawing. That's what <laughs> I was doing. <laughs> That's what I was doing last night. I was watching Love Island with my iPad, drawing and being like, I can't. And texting me
2: at eleven o'clock. Yeah, and I do I you say, like these designs? Do you like these I'm designs? Going, please, I just need to. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was I I just go on I'm wild, wide awake, yeah. and then I have like insomnia because my head's buzzing. But um, so I have to watch terrible TV just to calm me down because mm. it's just easy to watch. And then I do then have to follow up with like a zombie film, where I'm like ah frantic. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. But tons of inspiration from all that cat
2: TV. Operators. Yeah, it does.
0: All those all those documentaries, like nature programs, growing up, all those bad Channel Four kinky, sexy things. They've all infiltrated and they all come through and it's like, it's a really good cocktail. I
2: know.
0: And it's really different. So it's good.
2: And when people say you don't let your kids watch TV, well, it's all we had. It's all
0: I had and I learned the best thing. So,
2: I always feel that
1: British fashion law no. British designers, is put all into one bag, Mm -hmm. as though everybody was the same. Mm -hmm. I personally think that you two are very different in what you've produced and the way you've Mm -hmm. um, handled everything, which is particularly interesting for me. But do you sometimes feel that you are put in a jam jar with the rest of the people and that you actually would rather scrabble out and be on your own?
0: Um, I think we try our hardest to set ourselves apart. I think every season we always set ourselves apart with the collection or our point of view that we do look completely different. Um I think I've got really strong contemporaries in London and we should all be proud of London as a creative city, always. And I think the talent that comes out of London is always going to be there. And unfortunately when it comes to Brexit, like it might not be as multicultured as the college used to be, which is a shame because people coming and going. But I think London has to always be seen as a destination for art, music, theatre. And fundamentally, fashion is there's a birthplace. I
2: think we've yeah. always just in our own way tried to carve out space for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just trying to carve out space for ourselves.
0: When you go back to when we first started, people were comparing us to like, big shows in Milan or whatever, mm. and we had like, literally tiny budget, tiny. We were making things on a shoestring. Still, so the same. we were competing with big brands, and people were like, It was kind of astonishing that that actually happened, but it was great, and it's still the same, but you're kind of, like, designers in London do compete with these big brands, and that's healthy, it's good. Mm. I like it.
1: Are you still in touch with Donatella?
0: Yes, I am still in touch. I was at the show last season. Um, But, yeah, I am in touch with Donatella, and she's just great,
1: so... You two haven't said anything nasty between you about anybody. This not be a rare record. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, no, we're trying to be really positive. We're really positive. But I think we've learned from those... What you put out, you get back. So I don't want to put anything and Listen, we're all that's in, not our style. Not our style. and Everyone works hard. But every- I
2: think there's space for, for everyone. For everyone, yeah. That's how we see fashion, see fashion. There's space for everyone. And we just want to carve our space out for ourselves. Yeah. You know? um I agree and the people that we look up to will go you know we'll take a little bit from them and how they do business or but in the end it always has to just suit Christopher and I.
1: yeah for sure and then you when you want to look down and look at your dog
2: yes well he's
0: always there he's our yeah he's a he's the ma- the little mascot Bruce that is
2: what, what kind of breed?
0: he's a Boston Terrier so he's always in the fittings, he's always with the models, he's like surveying the territory, like a security dog. So he's he's quite good at like, the energy field, he can suss out, but well, he's a good boy. There's a chapter our career which we're really grateful for we
2: really are <laughs> grateful for the opportunity that we mm-hmm. had at Kerry. yeah um, we learned so much about business about ourselves really? oh yeah so much mm. um and we'll take that with us and yeah. whatever we do next
0: yeah going forward like what we did learn was like I mean you can't buy that it was really quite amazing what we learned and
1: and we're so fortunate, fortunate to have that experience yeah. so yeah mm let's talk about now yes um are things going smoothly now even after COVID and brexit and what else haven't we had and um somehow you seem to be a couple who always manages to push things forward of finding a way of coming out of all the horrors that we all of mm. us have to face are you optimistic are you mm. just very hard working how would you describe yourselves at this moment when we hope that the worst mm. in the world is
2: over i mean I think we're both very, uh, our work ethic is, a, is as strong as ever, mm. um, we're resilient and we're so optimistic about our we have to be. What we've created in 17 years, I think we've got one of the richest archives, Modern Archives. You know, in fashion, mm. and it's authentic to us, and I so, think that's really yeah. powerful. And I
0: think being authentic, being who you are, and being being yourself, not having out, out, the voices outside tell you differently, because you have to follow your gut more than ever now. The instinct, your animal instinct's so key more than ever, because what we went through, and obviously what we're going through in the world, is like you just don't know what's coming. So you have your mm-hmm. me, me, myself, and Tammy. <laughs> and vice versa, but we're so lucky but we've got
2: a great team as well and we've got so many opportunities to establish more joy in a contemporary market, so it sits um, you know in a different positioning from Christopher King. so we're really excited about the future
0: yeah I still enjoy it, we still enjoy our job and I think that's great, almost to it usually, we're still loving fashion even though the difficulties we all face in the industry, we, we still love it
2: We've got challenges, you know. Yeah. We're still building the business back from the pandemic. Mm. No. But we'll get there.
1: Yeah. Well, we're Absolutely. we're loving you. Don't stop. Is all I can oh, say. do you're Don't so stop. kind. Carry on. Make Thank more you. more joy. Awesome. More fashion.
0: Yes, please. Yes.
1: Definitely. Thank you. Thank you, Christopher and Tammy. It's been so great to sit down with you and hear how you work closely together, your approach to design and business. Your brand really is a shining star in the midst of our fashion universe. And I'm looking forward to dancing with you at your disco. Creative Conversations with Susie Menkes is produced by Natasha Cowan, music by Jörg Zuber, graphics by Paul Wallace, and edited by Tim Thornton. To find my articles, visit suzymenkis.com and suzymenkis on Instagram. If you enjoyed the podcast, then please do rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. You can find me on all the usual channels.